Sleigh bells ringing, diamonds blinging, carols singing, favorite season. Sleigh bells ringing, diamonds blinging, carols singing, favorite season. They said, say, Nick, but you got up in that bag, yeah. I got a racks, racks in my sack, or in my bag, yeah. They said, say, Nick, what you got up in that bag, yeah. I got a racks, racks in my sack, or in my bag, yeah. Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection. I'm Nick Rudman, joined as always by Andrew Mize. We have an absolutely outstanding show for you. It's time for our second interview special segment. But before we get into that, first, please like, comment, subscribe to below. Uh, subscribe below. Whether you're watching us on YouTube or wherever you listen and watch the podcast, we really appreciate you liking, commenting, subscribe. It means a lot to us. But now we've got a chance to move on. Mize, we have a great show today. That's right, Nick. And we have a very, very special guest, uh, a world-renowned strength and conditioning expert. Actually, it's my uncle as well, so that that can uh, go into the into play. Uh, he's trained the likes of Allen Iverson, you know, Alonzo Mourning, Patrick Ewing, uh, tons of other uh, lower-level athletes. He's had the full gambit of um, anywhere from basketball to football. Uh, NBA to NFL. Uh, my uncle Kevin Maselka is going to join us today, and that's a great interview. So let's hop into that interview right now. Nick, we are back with our second all time guest. A big honor for us to have another guest on the show because our first guest was such a hit. Uh, we have someone very near and dear to my heart, my uncle Kevin Maselka, uh, strength and conditioning expert all-around master of the craft and anything that you want to do to sharpen your body, make it a, a lethal weapon, so to speak, uh, Kevin can help you out. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, I've been in the business. Uh, reality is like 45-plus years and trained over 350,000 hours of human sessions. A lot of people that have been in the business as long as I am, they want to write books and and teach and you know not train people and be in the trenches that's where i love to be and uh always elevating humans and take them to the next level so we have a lot of great story got the heat hat on tonight because uh umer yurt seven uh turkish center from uh georgetown he's a great a great success for us because he was undrafted and now he's playing for pat riley um you know he's down there with the heat as their true seven foot center which you know guys always say yeah i'm seven foot and then they look at him and say, nah, you're not seven. You're like 6'10". You're 6'9". And he is a true seven-footer. And, uh, you know, so many people doubted him last year. And he worked with me for nine months through the pandemic. And agents and coaches and even David Falk, who I work closely with, thought, uh, this kid needs to learn how to play. Well, Pat Riley and Kevin Maselka believed in him. And he's a full, you know, uh, roster spot with the Heat. And they're playing Pacers tonight. So, had to wear one of these vintage heat hats from back in the uh, Lonzo morning days down in the heat way back in the late 90s. I so remember a fun story or something that I always remember. I don't know if you remember this or not. But when I was younger, we went to one of the gyms that you were working at at the time. And um, Patrick Ewing was there and he was doing leg press. And I, to me maybe I was like 10, it looked like 50,000 pounds that he was leg pressing. 
And I, I clearly remember when I was leaving, he was outside and he said goodbye to me and I could see his head and neck over the top of his Suburban. He was that tall. Right. <laughs> so that's uh, that was something I always remembered that that was pretty funny. But, oh, yeah. um, well, Pat, Pat and Alonzo Dikembe were, uh, you know, my gym up there in Rockville, Maryland. They, those guys were, uh, you know, uh, an entity there daily. I mean, it was breakfast early in the morning. And then, you know, Patrick was the, the most disciplined with getting up at seven. We'd meet at this diner and have a stack of pancakes and orange juice. He was all carbohydrate guy. He barely had like protein. But, uh, you know, at that time, his metabolism supported it. And in uh, current times, not so much. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's eh, gained a little more weight and uh, loves, loves his carbs. But he would get into the gym and lift. And then we go to track and run. I'd come back in, and Kembe would come, and we would lift. And then you know he would we'd go to our track work, and then Zoe would come in late, and he'd come in at like two or three o'clock. And scrimmages at Georgetown start at four, and he'd come in late three thirty sometimes. We'd lift till five thirty, and then we'd go to Georgetown, and he'd always piss everybody off because he was late. And he said, "No, play another one there on lacing," so he'd keep there till seven. And then we'd go for steak dinners at the uh, the Palm in Georgetown because you could go in in shorts and sweaty and uh, have a big steak dinner. So these guys went hard, and they went hard Monday through Friday, all out, took the weekends off all summer long, never took more than one or two weeks off after the season. So uh, kind of the old the old school, the old, uh, old guard way of training going, you know? Well, one thing me and Nick have been talking about lately is that nowadays it seems many uh, players, specifically this is an NFL-based podcast, but all professional players really, uh, they've kind of been moving away from the traditional strength and conditioning team coach, and they've all been branching out, especially during the offseason, and uh, going to the private coaching sector, uh, getting private coaches. Do you think this is like the, the future? Is this a strong move for players to do that? Well, it, it was even that way, way back in the day, like uh, Michael had his trainer, Tim Grover. And, you know, we used to say, oh, yeah, you're the Kevin Maselka of Chicago in the Midwest, dude. You know, and uh, we're both training, you know, Pat and Zoe and Dikembe had me. And then, you know, Pippen and uh, Jordan had Tim Grover. And so that's that's way back, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it late eight, uh, 90, mid 90s on through, you know, now, um but you got you got to consider this is like back in the day uh, there was someone in there training and uh, the Miami Heat Bill Ferran was their strength coach now his son is uh, the strength coach there and I said wow it's great can't remember the guy's name I said yeah, you know, this players training with Bill that's awesome he goes yeah it's Bill I said no that's great he's getting ready for the season to back you up he was like a you know low tier backup center he says well. Um, he's with Bill. That's why I have you because Bill's focused on the whole team and mm -hmm. dealing with coaches and organization, whereas is an individual trainer can put hundred percent of the focus on that player and have single mindedness. And so their brain is always working on a player versus general team workouts. We even see this now with, uh, you know, Omer down at the heat and, and other players I work with, they get there with the team and they say, man, it, it isn't the same as how we train. So you take that in consideration. You say, well, when we train is usually off season. We're not always during the season. And I'm optimizing, building, progressing during the season, during the off season. In season, 
they're dealing with coaches like really Pat Riley runs things down there, Spoh's there, um, but they're both uh, running things. So you can't bring an athlete into a court session destroyed from strength program, destroyed from conditioning and whatever else you do. They're just kind of maintaining so that the coaches get optimal effort on the court because it's really about basketball then. They don't care about what you're doing, you know, with their physicality, just that they're ready to have injury prevention. They're keeping them kind of tuned up and in recovery. And that's like a key point. And I'll talk about that later is that training hard is, is, is great, but you want to make sure there's brevity and guys are in recovery. So that make gains off the training, which is a stimulus. So in season it's, it's different. So these individual trainers are, are very important because if you spend year after year with a guy, you make great strides. Like Omer Yurtsen was a great example because we had from March 2020 all the way through to January of uh, 21, and then he went off and did some, uh, you know, they did uh, Summer League down in the bubble, and then they had, uh, actually Summer League wasn't bubble, it was in Vegas, but they had uh, um, the uh, Developmental League, G League, in a bubble, and then they had a Summer League, and he killed it in just two games, and they had to sign him. Everyone was clamoring for it. He destroyed everyone in summer league in just two games and got himself a a, a one-on-one deal. So he did great. But the point of it is we had like 10 months to train a guy. We usually we have six to eight weeks, you know, where they come in out of college, they're in recovery, and we get them ready for NBA tryouts and they're off. We don't have much total development time. But this guy had so much work with him, made fantastic strides, and it uh, it proved positive for him. Do you ever get any pushback or, or have any uh, issues aligning what you try and do with the strength and conditioning staffs on these programs? I mean, do you ever, do you ever, I don't want to say butt heads, but ever have any disagreements about ways to treat and train certain athletes? Um, you know, this, this is where a lot of trainers, you know, they, they have great knowledge. And the one, the one thing I teach new trainers to go out and learn is salesmanship. You know, they, I got all the training science in the world, but no one really, cares what you know till they know how much you care and that comes in the conveyance of of some salesmanship and some emotion and connecting with a person so that's just like you go into a any and sell any deal you connect with a person you build rapport and then they start to listen to you versus you know i know all the the, the training on all the techniques so a good example is in ohio state i went in to train evan turner who's player of the year and John Wall was going to be the first pick, and Evan were trying to get him maybe first, second pick. And it isn't always going with the first pick, like David Falk represented Evan Turner. And so he sent me to Ohio State. So I, I go to Ohio State, and it's a funny story about pushback from a trainer. And I meet Thad Mata, and he's like, oh, hey, you're here, you know, to see Evan. That's great. Um, there's the strength coach in there, and there's his room, and there's his – Huge guy. Most strength coaches in NBA, NFL, they come from football. Um, I didn't, but you got to contend with. There's some ego, and it's their territory. So I always come in, and you know, I talk to the strength coach there, and I said, "Oh, hey, Thad, said we could come in. I'm with Evan. I'm just here with the agent, and you've done a great job with the guy. So I compliment. I said, I'm just here to make sure everything checks out. Report back to the agent." When in actuality, I'm in there totally revamp what they've done because I'm not into these multiple sets and pyramids and heavy volume of training. I'm super brief and more intense than a person's ever seen before. So we accentuate the athlete and optimize their athletic skills and their shooting and their finesse and their touch. So I have to go in there and be like, all right, 
Later on, you're going to be like, what the heck is this guy doing? And the athlete, as Evan Turner said, man, you saved my life. He goes, my back was hurting me. He goes, I hated that chart on the wall. It was like 16 seconds to three reps. And they were killing us heavyweight all the time. I hurt my back, Jared. Sullivan hurt his back, not because of that program, but it was just powerlifting, heavyweight, you know, big volume. And so when we go to our, our program, I build rapport with those people and like kind of take a, a lower angle of advantage and say, I'm just here to check things out and build rapport. And then, bam, come in with my program. The athlete loves it and they're off to the next level. Well, usually in colleges, the strength coaches, they do not have much time to focus on individual optimization. It's all team and general fitness and they do their job. They do a great job at that level. I just take it past that. Um, you kind of just touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to combine two things that we were going to ask you about. Um, you've been a- around a lot of top-tier athletes, like really cream of the crop guys, but I'm sure you've had some guys that really, they were right there, they're at the bubble, and they didn't quite make it. What is the the factor or some of the factors that separate somebody who does make it, the Patrick Ewins, Alonzo Mornings of the world, and someone who doesn't make it, maybe their backups, or someone who doesn't even make the league? What are some things that uh, separate them? Right. Well, um, you know, you get different body types and styles. So you get the seven-footers, especially when they focus on the center position, the NBA a little bit more. It was a pinnacle part of, of that that. Uh, uh, offense and you know rebounding it's still essential because we don't make 100 percent of our threes the game has shifted a little bit um but the difference is no matter what the body side let's look at a steph curry okay versus Giannis. okay um the real the the start is belief in one's self that they are like it okay and that belief is uh impenetrable the belief is congruent with the way they use their physiology. It's undoubting, all-knowing that they are an NBA player. And that's one of my first lessons. They come in and I'll say, tell me, like, your goal. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, here's my goal. No, I'm, I want you to say your goal with some believability. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play in the NBA. And I'm like, okay, well, you need to say convincingly, so not that I just believe it, but you believe it. I don't care what you impress me or don't impress me with. I'm going to hear how you say that you impressed yourself about it and you believe. Like, say it believably. So these players that they're at that level, they believe in themselves, they trust themselves, and then they back it out up with an unbelievable amount of focused, hard work. And that starts with finding a team like guys like me, a shooting uh, you know, coach, um nutrition all these facets of being great but on top of that there's unwavering mental state like look at curry he's not so huge he's got a brother same genetics so you say well it's genetics now nah, that's it you know the the head and the heart and the hands a lot of guy have the hands which is your genetics but that heart is that belief in you and then the head to put it all together and be smart enough and be on that level all the time and that's the difference um we'll get kids in that are playing like we got miles studi plays at uh vanderbilt with stackhouse who's one of our guys from way back jerry and uh miles studi and i got another kid who's playing at a juco same athleticism six five 40 inch verticals 
but Miles came in for 400 year workouts over five years when he was in high school. And the other kid, I said, you see where you are? He had 40 workouts, like Kamari Williams, Walt Williams' son. I see him, and I'm like, what's with you, Kamari? What's going on, man? You, you get into the gym, Miles been here for 400 workouts. Look at his physique. Look at you. He's very skinny. I always give, I always give him a Kamari hard time. So I try to cajole him along. And I'm like, you did like 40 workouts. He did 400. See the difference? But maybe you don't want it. That's okay, Kamari. You're not the wizard. You're not your dad. So it's that hard spirit, that believability. This is where you also see kids of NBA players and, and profoundly awesome all-star athletes, their children have a tough time making it because they don't have that burning desire, that believability because they come from a soft, a soft household. You know, they got money. They are coming from, you know, hard places and they don't have to believe in themselves. They got, they're kind of cruising. So that kind of feeds into that desire that burns you through any challenge and makes you work harder, more hours, better hours. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, we've all heard the stories of all the athletes that have, you know, had to battle through some stuff. You know, you know, the, the Jordan story obviously is, is probably the most famous. But I, I think it's interesting because one of the things that, you know, we kind of think of these athletes, especially from a young age in basketball, you got AAU now and all that stuff, that they all are just right. you know, everyone is telling them how great they are all of the time. You know, and just, you know, the idea that they still need to have that confidence and belief in themselves. I mean, that's kind of surprising. I would think you'd have almost the opposite problem that guys walk in thinking they're uh, they should be the number one overall pick. You got 50 guys walking in like that. But you're saying it's actually the opposite. Some of these guys are have some self-doubt, have some challenges with that. Yeah. Um, you know, like Omer this year when he first came in, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I'm going to play in the NBA. He was all chill with it. He goes, I, I, don't, I don't need to say it in an exciting, positive way, because I said, well, listen, listen to me say this when you go, yeah, I'm going to play in the NBA. It was very kind of matter factly. And I said, well, this is the way I want to hear it. I am an NBA player. I will be rookie of the year, you know, in a very, you know, almost aggressive, confident believability. He couldn't even speak that way about himself. And the next day he came back, he says, I tried to practice that, but it didn't feel comfortable. I'm like, okay, didn't feel comfortable. Hmm. Well, when he didn't get drafted, that was an eye opener and it gave him a chip on his shoulder and he needed that. And it really pissed him off that Drew Carey from Duke, who he beat the crap out of when they played Georgetown at Duke. Um, you know, he's much better than the guy. Drew Carey gets drafted. Luca Garza out of Iowa gets drafted. And look what, look what Omer did to Luca the other day. I think O had 12 rebounds seven points luca had two rebounds and like four points you know and uh oh he's just snatching the rebounds left and right he's super motivated he took off about 40 pounds he wasn't fat but he just got so big so you can't cover the pick and roll you can't tr cover the stretch five but that reality of not getting drafted he almost needed that you know and uh made a big difference in in him totally changing his mindset and where he had to be and now he's on a, on a great nba squad that's good and um one thing i also want to ask you about is in the nfl world of things uh you think of guys who have longevity long careers obviously the first person for me at least that comes to mind is like a tom brady someone who's been around forever and we've all heard of the tb12 method uh his crazy 
uh, anti-inflammatory based vegan diet, no weights really, a lot of stretching. Uh, he goes to bed every night at like seven o'clock. Uh, this this uh, program that he has in place, these like super uh, strict regulations he lives his life by. Do you think these are really like beneficial? For everybody, or is this more of like uh, him in his older age is what he's had to confine himself to? What do you think about the uh, TB12 method? Well, if if one were to know nothing about, you know, the rules of living and, you know, you know, having a a success in anything. I mean, if you look back, I, I wrote something like this when I was about 15 years old. And my father says, you've done nothing but steal Benjamin Franklin's rules of life. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. Eat your vegetables, you know, uh, you know, drink good water, get your exercise. So these are these are, you know, uh, you know, commonalities of, of, of physical, mental vibrancy and success. Um, so if one knows nothing, it seems amazing. And Tom Brady has packaged it because kids and you know uh you know just you know citizens in general and other younger athletes and athletes in their prime will listen because well he said success so let me let me model and mirror his patterns of success what did he do and this is like you know uh, uh a whole pattern of of success propagation is well who did the best what do they do well i'm not doing that and and here is a problem is um you know, the, the, the NBA athlete, you know, they have a couple kids, they got, you know, their wife, they have other distractions, marketing stuff going on. And so to have a team around you that prepares the food the way it should be prepared on an anti-inflammatory basis is huge, like a support group versus some knucklehead friend that's like, man, I want to eat Popeyes again. All right, let's get it. How many guys I've had to get off of three junk food meals a day? And just say, let's do two days and see how you feel of a vibrant, live, enzymatic activity from, you know, fruits and vegetables as a foundation of your diet. Low end, you know, inflammatory. Let's get rid of the alcohol. Let's get rid of the weed. Let's get rid of anything that doesn't put you closer to your goal. And that's what Tom Brady does. Um, drinking great sources of, of proper pH water, uh, getting your body tested getting rest. I don't agree with his uh, strength training. I don't think that's right to put that on every athlete. He's found the right thing for him as well as his diet. The Tennessee Titans uh, a couple seasons ago, they were on, I think the name of the movie was Knives, Forks Over Knives. It was about um, plant-based diet and they had this whole movie and they showed the Tennessee you know, Titans, that's when they beat my, my Ravens, and that was not happiness for us. But they seemed like they had energy to deal with Lamar, and uh, you will see that. I mean, we, we do like test diets, and you you look at a lot of athletes who can benefit from Tom Brady, and what are they doing? They wake up late, and they don't, they don't eat or drink anything, and then it's lunchtime, and they go to the cafeteria, let's say a high school athlete who could benefit from the TB12. Uh, they go in there in the cafeteria, they get school lunch. So it's pizza, it's, you know, refined uh, sugars, they drink dairy and all those, some nutrients and calories, and you can gain value out of that for your energy, but it's not optimal versus you wake up and you have a huge glass of, of water with a fresh squeezed lemon in it, and that's already helping your, your blood pH and your hydration. Then you make a fruit smoothie that's 
you know, coconut water that you drill out of a young coconut, which is better than the stuff from the can you buy on the shelf. So it's fresh enzymatic activity. Then you put dates, figs, wheatgrass, all organically grown. So these are optimal nutrients that is better. You're drinking water throughout the morning. You have a mid-morning snack. Then you're eating a chicken breast, organic salad, a baked sweet potato. That's organic as well because some of these organic foods have better uh, you know, nutritional content in them. Uh, then you go for a stretch and then you have your, your pre, uh, pre-workout smoothie in the afternoon and then you train hard, a great post meal, a great midnight snack versus a kid who's gone with no breakfast, school lunch, goes, gets a roast beef sandwich and eats ice cream before bed and add one glass of water. So you see the difference? Oh yeah. So you can go, you can get better and better and better. And that's what these guys would pay people like me to do is be around them. And what do I do in this case? What are you eating? I've got guys texting me all the time. I'm doing this and this and this, what do I do instead? So <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, in the league, they're like, could be drinking. They can be staying out late. They're going to the clubs. They get a lot of money. And after two or three years, they don't have that Tom Brady discipline. So the takeaway from it is, well, listen to his program and see where you can get closer to where he is and how far away you are. Um, you know, most, most people, they could buy his program and they will never, ever have the discipline. But if they listen to him and say, well, look where he is and I really want this. How do you build that desire? Written goals, nightly recited goals, journaling, checking at night. What did I do today? Okay, I got up and I, I, I hit the vape pipe because I like to chill in the morning. Oh, that's really smart. You're going to school and you're going to practice later, but you're vaping. You should never do that, right? That's something you did that puts you further away from your goal. Kids do this too. They're chill, they're in school, but they're, they're either smoking weed, doing edibles, or hitting their, their, uh, you know, their jewel, and uh, they think they're going to be a great athlete. Does Tom Brady do that? No. What did that do for you? Did it move you closer to that goal or further away? Okay. Well, the, the answer is clear on that one. So if they look at a journalizing, what I do every step of the day, how'd that help me? How was my hydration? What kind of water did I drink out of the tap? Or did I get some, you know, um, nice pH balanced water that helps with my whole blood chemistry? It's just a little, but, you know, if, you, if you're doing things that aren't good, when you project in the future, you're going down. But if you drink better water, eat cleaner proteins, get your rest properly, sleep in a fully darkened room, turn off that device at night because that blue light wakes you up, interrupts sleep. Well, in one day, just a little better, but over time, that's where you're heading, upward. So there's the merit to be drawn from his program. Is it magic? No, but most people don't know the things he's doing. So it is magic if you're just eating McDonald's, you know, five times a week and training consistent and staying up till two in the morning because you're texting with everybody and it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, the time you grow is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So youngsters looking for steroids, they don't optimize their growth hormone, their natural test, because they don't go to bed for 10. They're doing homework, they're BSing around, they're goofing around, they're on their games, they're getting to homework at 10 o'clock at night, and they're still texting unfocused on that phone a lot. And Tom Brady won't be doing that garbage. He's not looking at the social media. He's focused on, on me to make a better week. Absolutely. 
And I think uh, that brings us, Nick, do you want to ask our last question that we had? Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of certain techniques and methods that you really, you, you've perfected over your decades in the industry. If, if, when you look around the entire industry that you work in, is there, you know, one or two things that you wish everybody would implement? Like, is there something going on out there where you're like, this is totally bonkers. Why are people doing this? Um, you know, first and foremost is that, you know, uh, people like in my industry and in many industries do the least, um, to just get by. Um, and they don't know like really hard work and they don't know overload. So in my industry, just in the strength component and the cardio, it's, you know, being a perfectionist for the details and, and making sure that athletes hit overload. And, and after all these sessions with humans, that I've had 350,000 hours. Okay. I've done this when I was uh, seven. My father said, write an article about what you want to do for work. So I said, okay, I'm going to be the boss because I like to make the rules and no one tells me what to do because I know what to do. And I'm going to have a gym right outside the office because I don't want to be fat like uh, Mr. Spacely, who is George Jetson's uh, boss, or, uh, you know, uh, Fred Flintstone's boss, you know, at Bedrock. And uh, so I was like, I got to stay in shape and be, but little did I know the gym would be the office, eh? So uh, intensity is key. And people are, you know, they, they, they got the weak face on. Oh, it's too much. Uh, their belief system is bad about what strength will do for them. Even in NBA, they're really particular because the athletes are worried about their shots going to get thrown off, their touches off, because we're going to go super effing hard, man. And we we are tough to go hard. It's brief. It's severe. But we build up. We don't try to kill you on day one. And that's one of the big problems is people are able to hit overload. They don't know what that means. And I say, how do people get stronger? And they're like, lift weights. No, you must get to overload. And so that's what they miss. I don't wish they know all my secrets um because i i don't put on youtube videos you know why because i got magic and when people come in and train with me they know man that's different than there. i used to have my guys like zoe used to come over and go we're doing his first set and we're doing something he's like shit put the bar down i go what and he goes are you sure your weights aren't heavier in here every time I come in here it's harder i never anywhere i train as hard as when i come in here I'm like well that's because we train proper you know and that's the stimulus you need to accentuate versus an athlete coming in and they don't rule the roost with me. And like when Doug Collins wanted me to, to be at the wizards, when uh, MJ came and he was there for the two seasons, I don't listen to, they have a, a guy, uh, Steve Stricker, who was going to be there. Uh, they call him the trainer, but he's not the strength and conditioning coach to tell me what to do. And I was like, there's no way you will tell me what to do. I run my house. Okay. And, you know, that that's kind of like the, the splitting point with me is if there's a coach who wants me, he's going to respect that. I'll give him the best bodies, the strongest, the fastest, the healthiest, most determined, change their mindset and, and work at optimal level. And I don't know how to coach the game. That's their job. I'll give you good clay to work with. So some of that's missed. Then the other thing they can do is come to my house and split wood for a few hours a week because that that gives them these. They always go, I got I got the pause here and I got Man, like LeVar Arrington, you got NFL. When I started training him, here's a funny story is he's like, I shook his hand. I go, oh, and he goes, I know I got weak little hands. I go, you're an NFL linebacker. You were at Penn State. 
look at these hands. He goes, I know. Uh, uh, I go, oh, we're going to strengthen those. He says, how? I said, you'll see tomorrow. So he lived out at, uh, off in Annapolis. And he had a 50-acre property. So I brought the axes. I said, come on, we'll go back in your woods. And we found a tree. And it was about four feet wide. It had no branches, about 80 feet tall. And it was just a rotten stump of a tree. All the branches were off. It was old. Just come on, we'll cut this thing down. All right. So we start, and he's wearing redskin gloves, and I'm sitting here with just bare hands, and I hit for a few hundred hits. He goes, and the outside was rotten. It fell away quick. It took us seven hours to fell that tree, okay? He had his assistant, Blue, out there as a young guy just helping him. And after about uh, – no, Bird. This is Bird. Bird's hitting after about three rounds. Bird's just huh, – huh. and here I whacked at this tree for hours. Finally, we fell the tree. LeVar had blood trickling out of his, his redskin gloves, okay? And I had some blisters. I don't blister much, but I had blisters because we were working. I was like, okay, that was good. That king thing came down with a thump because the inside was rock hard. So he leaves, you know, we, I go home, and he calls me from on the road. He goes, Kev. I go, what is it, LeVar? What's going on? He goes, I'm at a diner in New Jersey. We're going to see my, my wife's parents. I go, good. I'm in here, and I wonder my hands are all bandaged. I said, uh-huh. And he says, you ever fell a tree before? It's the most unbelievable thing you ever did. I felled a tree today. You never chopped the tree down. But I tell you, over a few months, those hands thickened and they toughened. And uh, so we split a lot of logs. And uh, folks come over. They say, can I buy some of that firewood? You got a huge pile. I said, well, I don't really sell it because I had eight NBA guys chopping it. They're paying $175 an hour a piece and cutting it for me so it's kind of like the whitewash fence but they're so excited to finish every day and split logs so i'm getting paid a lot to get my wood cut so you take some for free i haven't figured out that that equation yet <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so it's um, fun fun times that they all talk about and then we do a lot of work like in trampoline gyms we go to these tramp gyms and i'm gonna send uh and i'm gonna send you i got uh, Omer Yurtsevin and Admiral Schofield. Admiral was at Tennessee. Now he's with Orlando Magic. He was with the Wizards. And uh, uh, Admiral's brother, there's a cool story, is his dad was in the military, right? So they were in England. So O'Brien Schofield, you know, you guys know who that was? Mm-mm. I do know Admiral because Delaney's mom loves Tennessee. Yeah. So uh, O'Brien Schofield's the older brother. He won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Uh, Admiral was in Tennessee. They made, I think, the Elite Eight. Then he's with the Wizards. Now he's with Orlando. So he's hoping to win a championship with the NBA. The younger brother's named General. And General <laughs> is a, a high school baseball phenom out of Chicago. He's about to get drafted in his senior year here. So anyway, the dad is in the military, and he was in the car. Stories I heard it was. The mom's going to have a baby. I think he might have been like in Okinawa, and the mom's like in England. I'm about to have the baby. What do we name? He says, uh, uh, Brian. So she heard O'Brien, but it might have been just Brian. Then when Admiral was born, he was in the car. There was Admiral Insurance or something. He goes, I got to name some military. Admiral. And then uh, the third one, he just said, I got something different military. All right, General, because he was in the Army, so he just wanted some military after he got O'Brien. Sounds like a good Irish kid. But uh They've all been here training with me, all three brothers, and there's a great, positive, super motivated family. So I'm going to send you a video of our trampoline flips and bounds and things we do for just creative 
body awareness and explosiveness without impact on a hard surface. So, you know, when you do this for this many years, your you're back of your mind is 24-7, figuring out how to solve things to amplify. And if you're, you know, if I write a goal down of what I want to do with an athlete, okay, the mind finds out how to do it. So, you know, one of the keys is having a teammate. Like, think about kids. This is a, a key thing for your program. Most of the time, kids doubt themselves. But if you can find someone that's on your side and thinking about how to make you better 24-7, that's what's better about just a team trainer versus one guy on your side is his mind is always like cooking on how can I make him better? And that athlete comes in who's just gifted genetically with all years of experience, your exercise knowledge, and you come up and create things that solve the challenges to get them to a higher level. So you get a team around you, you know, you got your skills coach, you got strength and conditioning coach, your mental training, um, nutritionist, everything like that. Um, and you get a team, your chiropractor, um, your stretching expert. Think of it, you have a team of four or five people that's on your side thinking about you getting better versus you wondering if you're doing the right thing and then doubting, you know, yourself and not having that time to lift up. I mean, many a time, you know, they come in and they're like, you know, I couldn't have done it without you, you know, and that's, that's what you do this for is to get that. I couldn't have done this without you because you found those pieces put together. They don't know this. They're young men, you know, they don't, they don't have these, these decades of knowledge to see what a Brady does and know what's good and take pieces away to, to get them better. You know? Well, uncle Kevin, we don't want to take too much of your time and we can't thank you and Gracie enough for uh, stopping by. Um, it, this was such a great interview and you had a lot of very, very valuable information. Um, Nick, is there any uh, final words you want to say? No, uh, really appreciate the time. Uh, learned a lot. Always awesome to uh, talk to the strength and conditioning coaches. You guys always have the best stories and the best insight. So thank you for your time. This was an awesome talk. You're welcome, man. You guys have a great night.